When God called me to found this community, Family of Jesus, I remember being petrified because I had no idea how to live a healthy family life. And for the first 30 days, as I sat in an area of Tampa called Ybor City, which is drug infested, gang infested, prostitution infected, there's even a satanic temple. It's not the nice place you want to live in. But that's where God had me begin the community. I would hear gun battles. And I remember crying, what have I gotten myself into? What have I gotten myself into? And some of us might feel that way in our family life. How do we get out of this? How can we have really everything that God intended? And I tell the Lord when I face things that seem unsurmountable, if you can change bread into yourself at Mass, you can change this situation or this person. And I just put my act of trust. I force myself that he can do it. It is nothing but a miracle, an act of God, that God can work out of the rubble, the sawdust of our life, something beautiful. And I do know some very happy marriages and the very happy families. And I want to share with you what I see in them and why they're like that. First of all, we are facing turbulent times beyond what most of us would have dreamt. It's almost like every year I think it can't get worse, and it gets worse. But the saints give us good advice. St. Thomas More said, the world is never so evil that good people can't live in it. And St. Thomas More was a man who was obviously was very busy. He was a lawyer. He was chancellor for Henry VIII. He used to spend four hours a day in prayer. And God was all alive in him. He had so much joy that to the person who was about to behead him, he looked at him and said, don't look so glum. Like, put a smile under your face. He had a sense of humor, even at the moment they were going to execute him. Now, one important sign that we're taking things too seriously and they've become bigger than God, or as we say in Spanish, que nos estamos ahogando un vaso de agua. I'll translate. One of the signs that we're drowning in a glass of water is if we've lost our joy and zeal for life. Now, there are moments in life, yes, that we go through mourning and we're working through wounds and there's seasons of sadness. And we even talked about this week how to suffer incorrectly versus how to suffer correctly. But when I find myself losing my peace and my joy and my sense of humor, 
I need to repent because I've allowed things to become bigger than God. Now, I'm an identical twin, so I have to tell a joke about twins. God bless you. A mother was pregnant with twins, and she was obsessed with the idea that she wanted her children to be very well-mannered. So she went to the doctor and said, doctor, is there anything in the market that can, I can take while I'm pregnant that will dispose my children to be very polite and well-mannered? Oh, yes, ma'am. There's a new product. It's a capsule. It promises that if you take one one a day, your children will say thank you before they say mommy and daddy. Oh, let me buy that. So since she was so obsessed, she bought cartons of them. So instead of taking one a day, she took 12 a day. Well, the nine months passed, the babies weren't kicking to get out. 10 months, no labor pains. 11 months, no labor pains. 12 months, 13 months, 14 months. <laughs> you can tell it's a joke. <laughs> there was no labor pain. She called the doctor and said, doctor, my babies aren't coming out. He said, you better come in. So the mother came in. Of course, she was out from here to the pew. She was so big. He put the stethoscope on and he's, she said, do you hear anything? He went, shh. One is saying to the other, after you. No, after you. I want to preach on one verse in the, gospel, in the first reading today that spoke about that those that would see Israel, God wanted them to see that they were a wise nation. Well, I would like to say that people could look at us Catholics and say, we have wisdom. And wisdom basically, and I'm going to get like I've been talking about the level of the heart. And for that, I want to speak about James chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. Because wisdom is seeing events, seeing people, seeing my life, my sins, from heaven's perspective. There's very intelligent people, but there are few wise people. How do we know we're seeing an event a circumstance that we're facing with the perception of heaven, wisdom. James 3, 17 and 18 gives us a clue. And if I don't have these traits in my soul, I cannot trust my perspective. I can tell you this. We need to remember Jesus has already won. Yes, we're fighting terrible scrimmages. And yes, John Paul II said that we were coming into the time of history where the greatest battle will ensue between the church and the anti-church, the culture of life and the culture of death. When I was about to be executed, 
and it was the most horrifying event. I already had examined my conscience for two hours. I knew we were no longer in the city of Lima because Lima is a city of 10 million people and everybody lives leaning on their horn. So now everybody honks their horn and I could no longer hear any honking. Guns were on my head. My head was on the guy's lap. Two guys were next to me. I saw an AK-47. There was another car behind us with five guys highly armed. So I, I had nine guys highly armed threatening to execute me. In the middle of that, after I said fiat to the moment and offered up my life to Jesus and examined my conscience for two hours, preparing to die because I said, I offer you my life, all I can tell you is that I left. I was taken. And I had no recollection of even being in Peru or being kidnapped. And I was in front of the most beautiful bright light, and it was the Trinity. And they said to me, what separates you and us, time and eternity is a thread. So in other words, what I've learned to understand throughout my life now, on a day-to-day -day level, is that truth. God is never far from us. And we talked about, especially yesterday, how to get back to peace, saying that simple prayer with our rosary in each decade. Remember, what are the two words in each bead? Jesus, Mary, Jesus, Mary. And they do the fighting. They do all the work. We just are little children and hold on. Jesus, Mary, Jesus, Mary. The moment came where they were going to execute me. I wanted to die like Miguel Pro, that great Mexican martyr, the Jesuit. He died with his arms out saying, Viva Cristo Rey, and they shot him. If you see the movie, No Greater Glory. Anybody seen that movie? Great movie. I believe the guy that they have filmed, and he has, he has his arms out saying, Viva Cristo Rey. Well, I wanted to die like that, and I was about to do that. But I was so joyful. In fact, I was giddy. And I couldn't wait to take the bullets. Now, I'm sharing these details so you'll know that's how close God wants to be with us. And in your corner and mine, in your struggles with daily life, in your struggles in your marriage, in your struggles with your parenting, in your struggles as a youth, in your whatever area of your family life, God is close, but we need to experience him close through prayer. This type of grace doesn't have room to enter us unless we spend, yes, listen well, a lot of times with God. Because it's only in with a lot of time, especially if you can pray before the tabernacle or Jesus exposed, that you begin to discover that what is yours is taken from you and he gives you what is his. We give him time and he gives us eternity. That is his desire. We pray that in the Our Father all the time. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He wants to give us something on earth as it is in heaven. And last night we spoke about the angelic world. 
and we learned how to listen to our angels and how to experience when it's literally an angel next to you and he's inspiring you because angels communicate through thoughts as also do demons. But one produces peace, joy, hope, a sense of well-being, a sense of joy, excitement. That's an angel. And he gives you a method, a word, excuse me, that's always in line with scripture, church teaching, and the magisterium. And the angels are there. And I asked the people last night, how many of you have never talked to your angel? The majority of the people raised their hand. I said, okay, for the first time, I want you to tell your angel, first of all, forgive me. And second of all, I love you. And some of them, I asked them, what did you experience when you said, I love you? Some of them said, Father, my heart was on fire. I sensed a lightness, a peace. That's the angel who's right next to you, right now is next to you. So how do we know if I'm seeing what I'm facing? from God's perception, vantage point, wisdom. Let's read James 3, verse 17 and 18. But the wisdom from above, so God wants to give us his eyeglasses, from heaven's perspective, from earth's perspective, I was about to be executed. From heaven's perspective, I'm about to intervene. God, I was about to extend my arms. I wanted to die, and I was joyful. And suddenly out of my mouth, didn't see it coming for one second before it happened. The words came out of my mouth, but it wasn't me. It was Jesus. My brothers, I want you to know that I forgive you. I was shocked. Where did that come from? They were shocked. They were so shocked, it disarmed them. They started to argue among themselves. Jesus interfered in their plans. He put a stop with that word of mercy. It was so powerful that it changed their minds from executing me. And basically, in me, there was the attitude, no hard feelings. You should, and I'm going to where I was just at. But that word that Jesus spoke, and he says in the Bible, do not worry what you are to say in Luke's gospel, for it will be the spirit of my heavenly father speaking through you. I experienced that. I did not know. I thought I was going to be dead. And at that moment, I'm about to extend my arms and cry out, Viva Cristo Rey! He speaks a word of forgiveness. I was shocked. They were shocked and they changed their mind not to execute me. It took me a while to accept his will. It took me two days to forgive him. Because after you've tasted what I've tasted, you want to go home. Sometimes I weep 
I have a nostalgia for heaven that I cannot tell you. We really are not of this world. So when do you know, how can we know that what we're perceiving is from heaven's vantage point? First of all, the Bible says it's pure. Pure means not just it's not lustful, it also means God is the center of that experience. First things first, God. Second of all, and this is so important, it's peaceful. I cannot emphasize more, and in the, in the, in the spiritual masters of the Catholic faith all say the importance of peace. The problem is not in family life, losing your peace or in your personal life, that's not a problem. We can lose our peace like that. The problem is not losing your peace. The question is, how long does it take me to recover my peace? The more we've grown in the life of spirituality and we're, we're maturing in our relationship with God, the quicker we recover peace. If I stay angry a few hours, I'm allowing literally hell to enter my family life. If I stay angry for days, the enemy is controlling me. I'm not talking about possession now. I'm talking about oppression. So if I don't have peace in my attitude, I'm blind. If I'm, if I'm occupied with anger and pouting and complaining and cussing and negativity, I'm not seeing the circumstance right. I'm blind as a bat. Now there's a way to get out of it. And we talked about it last night. What do you do? Jesus. What? Mary. Jesus. Mary. They'll do the work. And when I tell myself, because I still go through moments like that, where I've been sidetracked, I've been stomped by something, I tell myself, Philip, you're thinking like an orphan. You're blind. Do not trust what you're feeling. You'll feel better in a few minutes. I take out my rosary, Jesus, Mary, Jesus, Mary, in each bead, minutes or a minute, I'm back at peace. So to see things from God's perspective, your soul must have peace. Third, you experience in your heart towards others, husbands and wives, listen well, gentleness. There's a gentleness in your atmosphere of your heart. If you don't have gentleness, if you're angry, if you want to fight back, do not trust what you're perceiving. You have to get back to peace. What else does the Bible say? It's open to reason. You can have a discussion about it. My brothers and sisters, and I'm talking to husbands and wives, there's a feminine way to look at things, and there's a masculine way to look at things. You don't have to discover America or invent the wheel, but the body of your wife is different than your body. Just, just by that very fact that she's a woman and you're a man, you will see things differently. That's not a sin. As long as we are in agreement with divine revelation, orthodox teaching, no problem, but that she or you see things differently, 
And the goal in that moment, open to reason, and that you're willing to listen to each other in such a way that you listen well to her and get into her shoes. And if you don't know how to do that, let me humbly recommend something. Repeat what she's saying. And you, my sister, repeat what he's saying. And then you'll be convinced you're listening well to me. So it's open to reason, which also means it's open to conversion. I need to change. We need to change a lot to get to heaven. <laughs> a lot to get to heaven. What's another condition in the soul to see things from God's perspective with wisdom? It's full of mercy, the Bible says. I don't hold things against you. I'm willing to forgive you. Anger blinds. Anger has never served me once for love. Bad moods, they're worthless. It's full of good fruits. The good fruits can be found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. Self-control is one of them. Love, joy, peace. If I don't have joy, I cannot trust what I'm feeling or trusting. I cannot trust it. It's sincere. And then look what the Bible says about how, what is the main condition for our heart to produce much fruit and become holy. The harvest of holiness, the Bible says, is sown. It grows in peace by those who make peace, who work towards peace. That doesn't mean we don't have difficult conversations. That doesn't mean we avoid difficult issues. No, we do. But it has to lead to peace. Now, if a house, if a home, has a lot of peace, I mean real peace, not the kind of peace that no one talks and there's a lot of tension, no. It will have a lot of joy. It will have laughter. It will have playfulness. Love will reign there. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, for God to solidify in him the charism of the Vicar of Christ, to protect, defend, and speak with clarity church teaching and defend the deposit of faith and morals in compassion and love but all the fullness of truth, we pray to the Lord. Amen. I want to pray for marriages here present, marriages that you know, that God will help you unlearn from your childhood 
what is an obstacle, but to learn, and that you have, you have an openness to allow God to teach you how to love your wife and how to love your husband. And that whole miraculous, long process, we pray to the Lord. Tonight, I want to thank Jesus that he's taught me that the mystery of family life is found in the Trinity. The Trinity, whenever you speak and see in the Bible, they, when Jesus speaks about the Holy Spirit, it's always positive. When Jesus speaks about his Father, it's always positive. They always uplift each other. The Father speaks about Jesus in the baptism, this is my beloved Son. It's always uplifting. I want to pray that God will teach us that mystery, and we ask him through Our Lady and St. Joseph to teach us. So how do we live family life? And I can tell you this with all humility, because if I say otherwise, I am lying. The family life that I now live with my community is nothing but a taste of heaven. Do we have problems? Yes, but we know how to talk about them. We know how to bring out of differences unity. We all want to learn how to love each other, and God is the center of our family life. As a community, we pray three hours before the Blessed Sacrament. And when we're wrong, we ask forgiveness immediately. We have a night that we call Heart Night, where we unveil our hearts before each other. So I want to thank you, Jesus, tonight for that miracle that you've done, that now we finally live in a family that I never even dreamt existed. And we all came from messed up families. We have members of our family that were sexually abused. They came from alcoholism. I was physically abused. I mean, a mess. And how God has pulled us off is amazing grace, as the song says. So I want to ask that you and I will experience amazing grace and expect much from God. We pray to the Lord. Let's pray for your youth, your young people, your children. I want to pray that you'll have the discipline to know that when they come home to turn off the phones, that family time is time to talk, to share, to listen. And that we will not allow the social media to occupy our minds and our hearts, which is poison. We pray to the Lord. And I want to ask Our Lady now to pronounce each of our names, family names, children's names, grandchildren's names, my name, all the good priests here, to Jesus. And that God will be great in our family life, that we will become truly sons and daughters that have wisdom. We pray to the Lord. And finally, for those of our loved ones that have died, those that we fear for their salvation. Anyone here who had family members that committed suicide or seemed to die unrepentant. I want to ask especially for the intercession of Johnny, that young man who I shared that would refuse repentance to the very end until finally God convinced him. He was dying with 15 bullet holes in him that I was so blessed to minister absolution to him. I want to ask that this mass be applied to the moment of all our loved ones, the moment of their death. And I want to cry on their behalf, especially those that died stubborn 
and unwilling to repent. I want to pray and beg God mercy that this be applied to the moment of their death, no matter how back in time it happened. So now we pray together. Holy God, Holy Mighty One, Holy Immortal One, have mercy on us, my family, and on the whole world. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated.